Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome back, family and friends. Everybody doing good? Ray, it's good to see you. Amen. Amen. God is good. All the time. That's right, right. Just bring to mind tonight, Psalm 33, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. For myself, that's not always an easy thing to do. You know, um, had some challenging times the past couple, three weeks. And, uh, but you know what? We're here by his grace. We're here by his love. So let's all stand and just give our thanks and praise to him tonight. Amen.
Brother James, would you open us up in a word of prayer? Father God, we come before you now. All of us are the Lord, one heart. Father, no matter what goes on outside of, of you, we keep our eyes on you, Father. Our eyes are on the cross. We ask you tonight, Father, to come to this building, to fill this building with your presence. Fill it with the Holy Spirit, your Spirit, Father. We just ask that you never stop us from worshiping. Never stop us. We love you, Father. Be with us now and pray. Amen.
voices. Praise the and compassionate slow to anger and rich in love yes he is the Lord is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and rich in Seek your face and I will 
Jesus, you 
time of worship. Psalm 100. <laughs> Make a joyful shout to the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Amen? Amen. Amen. I like to make a joyful noise. <laughs> all right, brothers, so we're going to start off with uh, praise reports. And uh, as I like to remind myself and uh, anybody I have influence over, always keep some gratitude in your toolkit. It gets us through a lot of tough times. And there's so much to be grateful for. I love that video of Jimmy. He looks good. He looks like uh, he does need a few Eagle's Nest meals. And he'll be back to fighting weight. And, uh, you know, we do have so much to be thankful. I think about all the struggles I have. I don't have to go through chemo this week or radiation. And, uh, and I haven't been through it, but I know many who have, and uh, the Lord has been faithful. Thank you, Lord. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we just thank you for this day, Lord. This is the day that you have made, and we are here to rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, you've heard these praise reports, Lord, and, and these prayer requests, Lord, and you knew them before we even spoke them. Lord, but it is important that we hear the praise reports and we hear the prayer requests, Lord, because we know you are moving. 
we know that you're working in these in these situations in our lives lord whether it's sickness or death or healing or reconciliation or lord we're just uh we're just seeking you lord just dealing with our own flesh and our own struggles just being in this flesh lord and having a desire to please you and honor you and just to be in the struggle lord but we know as we are reminded lord that we can do all things because you strengthen us lord when we lift up your name as our lord and savior and we just ask lord that um that you answer these prayers and in the meantime touch each precious heart and just remind them how precious they are to you and how much they are loved by you lord and you have already opened doors lord that that need to be opened and you've closed doors that need to be closed lord and may we just be faithful and just be patient lord while you're working these things all out for our good and we ask lord that you bless this time together as the word is being brought forth you bless the service, and we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. It does seem a little warm in here. <laughs> Once again, it's a Saturday, and they never get old. I'm always happy to be amongst you guys and to be part of the fellowship. Um, I'm telling you, God is doing a wonderful thing here, and, and it's just it's wonderful to be a part of it, all these diverse backgrounds and what, what God has just done marvelously, and in some ways, ways that we didn't even anticipate. And yet, I think we've learned early not to say, okay, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're not going to do, because God turns around and says, well, okay, you can say what you're going to do and not going to do, but this is what I'm going to do, or are you going to adjust and adapt? So, praise God that His will is sovereign, and He's going to do what He intends to do, and we learn how to say, yes, Lord, how do we be obedient to your call? If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Chronicles. And today we're going to be talking about bringing an offering. Bringing an offering. And I know that the minute you mention words like offering, people start thinking money. And all of a sudden, you know, money is just like money is a big problem with couples. Money is a big problem with churches. We're not talking the majority of the time about money. I want you to think much bigger than that. To understand that this is a lot bigger than revenue. A lot bigger than finances. This is you and I and our relationship with God that we are looking at, bringing and offering. Now, usually I mark up my Bible, uh, but because today was kind of a, a weird day, I didn't mark it up, so I'm going to have to turn. But we should have it on the board at some point. So First Chronicles chapter 16, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say amen. We'll give you time. <laughs> We'll give you about five seconds. All right, let's all stand. <laughs> you still have time. <laughs> We're just standing. First Chronicles chapter 16, and we are reading verses 23 through 29. It says, sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and, my, and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heaven. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord 
in the beauty of holiness. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is wonderful, and we pray that it is your spirit that unfolds it to our spirit. Let's it resonate in our hearts and minds what you would have for us as both individuals and as your body, as the body of Christ. Help us, Lord, to be edified by your word, encouraged by your word, and to be able to not only understand what you have, but also to be able to, by your grace, practice what you have for us to do. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if you read ahead or you, you, you read behind, what you, what you see here is um, a, a dedication and a revelation for each and every one of us. Because they're setting up worship in Israel at this time. The ark has been restored. They're all sitting around looking at the future. But in the declaration of it, he describes not only who God is, but how we worship. This isn't just an Old Testament principle. This is a practice in the kingdom of God that started before David and will continue even when the earth is renewed and heavens are renewed. You say, well, how is that? Well, we'll go over that, God willing. But the whole thing of bringing an offering is to take something of value that God has blessed you with and to take a portion of it and return it back to God. You are offering something back to God. Now, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So is there really anything that you have from your paycheck to your health that did not come from God? If there is, let me know. But all the wonderful blessings that we have in life came because God blessed us in our life. And so the principle of offering is to take something that God has blessed you with or take from the abundance of what God has blessed you with and to return something back to the Lord. Lord, I acknowledge that you have given this unto me and I turn around and give a portion back to you. That is our relationship with God and that is his relationship towards us. See, every time we sing that song, I get in trouble. That uh, shout unto God with the voice of triumph and I'm always sitting over here going, all right, I need to behave. Shout unto God with it. No, shout unto God. And then all of a sudden, the, the voice is gone. I'm drinking seltzer water. So God, <laughs> God help me. God help us. So going back, I want to show you guys something. You can hold on to Chronicles, but I want you to turn back to Deuteronomy, or it should be on the board because it's just two verses. Deuteronomy chapter 16. This is the end of the law, or the end of the Torah. And this is one of the principles that God re, uh, uh, kind of realigned and showed them. There are seven feasts in Israel, seven feasts, and three of them have great big convocations, great big gatherings. All the people of Israel gathered together in one place, and it was for these three times a year. The Bible says, three times a year, all your male shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is around Passover, the Feast of Weeks, which is in the fall, or it's also around Passover, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which is in the fall. These are all not only major feasts to us looking back historically, but to them, it was harvest seasons. All of these things, really, their whole life was patterned around agriculture. 
So these are harvest seasons. And at the end of the harvest is right at the beginning of a lot of these festivals, and they're bringing forth things from that harvest to present back to the Lord. It was a blessing, uh, and I wanted to speak about it. I didn't speak about it, but we're speaking about it now. Um, somebody, uh, well, not, not somebody, but uh, one of the houses is growing potatoes. Now, working in produce, I'm not a big fan of potatoes um, or tomatoes or any of that. And basically anything that we sell, which is pretty much almost all produce. I'm just not a fan of it anymore. <laughs> a lot of heartache comes about it. But I recognize these potatoes and I'm like, where did these come from? They come from the, the food basket or whatever. And they're like, no, these are first fruits from one of the houses, from what they grew, and they're bringing it back to the church. And I went, wow. I wanted to shout. I, I wanted to take the mule and take them back home because I ain't holding the mule. I wanted to shout. I was proud. I was like, are you serious? People are like, that wasn't just a concept to them. They said, this is what God has blessed us with, and I'm going to take a portion and return it back unto him. And I was in awe. That's growth, that's maturity, and that's exactly what we're talking about. That what God has blessed you with in your endeavors, and then you turn around and you give a portion back to God as an offering. So these men, and believe me, it's, it's, for us, it's, believe me, you all can bring an offering. It's not just men. However, when these men appeared, God put in the Torah, they shall not appear before the Lord Empty-handed. They should not appear before the Lord empty-handed. In other words, if you've been blessed, show it. Show God, you know what? I recognize that this has come from you. I recognize from where my wealth comes from, where my health comes from, where my ability comes from. I recognize who's the giver, and I'm giving a portion back. That is an offering. We are recognizing and we are showing gratitude for the provider and the provision which he gives us. Now, we were created for this. And this principle starts not in Genesis 3. Actually, it does start in Genesis 2. And the principle is this. God took man after he formed him outside of the garden. And he did something miraculous to this man, this dirt, really. He made dirt ball and in the shape of a man. And then what did he do to it? He breathed into this dirt ball the breath of life. Now, I want you to think. I want to expand your thinking a little bit because if we breathe in, what eventually happens? We breathe out. So that breath that Adam had really was provision from who? And what did God tell him to do with it? Go ye therefore, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, do all these different things, go name the animals. In other words, I have blessed you with life and you are created in my image. Go out there and speak with authority. Go out there and live representing who I am and showing people who the God of creation is. So with that breath on the inside of them, they were blessed to be able to go out and live according to their purpose. But 
you ask, where is the giving back part? Well, with some of that breath, they go out and exercise the authority that God gives them. They bless the creation, but they also turn back around and bless the creator. When we speak to God, when we praise God, we are taking the life that he has given us and turning right back around and saying, Lord, I could do all these different things with the day, but I am offering you my time. I am offering you my conversation. I am offering you my heart. These are principles we were created for. We were not created to be spiritual two-year-olds. Mine. And share with no one. We're not even created to do that. Honestly, we can't. We can't. If I see a new Star Wars movie, I'm telling everybody about it. And you guys may not like the movies that I watch and may get tired of hearing about it, but I just got to share it. (laughs) I am offering you what was given unto me, even though you don't like my choice in movies. Wii U, Wii U, Wii U. So, (laughs) for those of y'all that don't know, I'll explain it to you later. (laughs) But we give, and we can't help but give of what we receive. We can't help. We call it sharing. We call it whatever. But there is something that if we receive something, we just got to share it with somebody else. Not all the time is it good. In carnality, it's not good. And without Christ, sometimes it's not good. They have a saying in the world, misery loves So if I'm miserable, well, I'm just not going to settle until I make somebody else miserable. And then they're going to turn around and make somebody else miserable. We do the same thing in the line. How many of y'all been in a grocery shopping line or at the Walmart? Except I don't think they have really lines at Walmart so you can talk to the cashier anymore. But any of these, these lines, and they're talking to the cashier, and somebody, somebody just happens to have an attitude at the beginning of the line. And the the cashier didn't do anything to him. There was nothing that this person did to deserve what they're about to get. But because this person has an attitude and the cashier did something that displeased him, I I wish you would just hurry up. You just, you you know what, you people are all the same. And now the cashier has been dealing with people all day, dealing with all sorts of stuff all day. And now they got to catch an attitude from somebody who really can't help but share their displeasure. So that's a negative offering. And we come behind, hopefully, and we have a positive offering. I could be quiet. I could say, thank you, have a nice day. But I choose to offer of the blessing and the joy that I have received from my father. You know what? I'm sorry to see that you're having to go through that, but I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You know how many cashiers I've told that to? Some of them just look at me like I got three heads. They're not used to that. People aren't used to that. To share in the blessing that you have, to share in the joy that you have, they look at you like you're nuts. Do you realize Black Friday is not the time to be joyful? What was it the other, I think it was with you. We hear about Black Friday, and you. what do people usually share on Black Friday? They offer up their pride, their ego, I got to satisfy my kids, I need to go over here and get this gift or that, and then Black Friday ends up turning into be a, a, a fight. A competition to get the best deal. And, and, and Ray was telling me about um, <laughs> going there with someone. And they said, these people need Jesus. And they started singing worship songs. And everybody was just like. <laughs> but they calmed down. They calmed down. 
Time after time, when we share with the ble- of the blessing that God has given us, you'd be surprised that even though people may look at you because they don't really understand it, they still receive something that is much greater than anything the world could offer. That is us giving an offering. That is us living that cycle to where we bless God and we bless men and women as God has given us the ability to do. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. What does Peter warn us to do? Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak of you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. By what you do. By taking the life that God is giving you and saying, Lord, I take a portion of this and I offer it back to you. And then I take a portion of it and bless the people with what I have. Bless the people with what I have. I didn't say anything about money. That's a small part of it. This is the totality of your being. To bless God and bless people as an offering for all the wonderful things that you have been given. Now you may ask the question, What if I haven't received anything wonderful? One of the things that gratitude teaches us is to keep in mind what God has blessed us. The reason why the Bible says, one of the reasons why the Bible says, be thankful in all things, be thankful in all things, is because even when you are sitting in a cell, being violated, for no reason or you don't understand or you may even understand the reason but at the end of the day things are stripped away from you and you're sitting there going you know what God I don't know what happened but I know that you're good and then you start becoming thankful you start looking back at the things that he's done as as how he's protected you in the journey how as many times as you slept through the Durango curve you have not hit the side rail and destroyed a vehicle let alone destroyed your life That'd be me, but I know there's other people in this room. I did it in a truck. We'd hit the Durango curve, and I'd blink. You know how you blink when you're driving, and you wake up, and you're like, this whole scenery's different. (laughs) I did that in the truck. I would blink, and next thing you know, and rush hour traffic. Next thing you know, I'm on the other side of the curve, and I'm going, God, I oh my goodness, thank you, Lord, because I should have been over the hill. When you start looking back in your night seasons, when you're going through your, your, your trials and tribulations and you start thanking God for his goodness, it's not just saying, Lord, you are good, but to recount all the areas in your life where he has blessed you, where he has kept you, where he has held you up, where there was only one set of footprints in the sand and it wasn't yours. And then it not only does it make you recognize his goodness in your life, it also reaffirms your confidence that if he is without shadow of turning, if he was good then, he's good now. If he's good now, he will be good. So no matter what it is that I go through, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Whatever it is. So I can be joyful in that, even if I'm not necessarily happy in my emotions, I can be joyful, deep-seated, knowing that God has me covered. And because of that, 
in the midst of sometimes even the darkest season, I say, Lord, thank you for reminding me of your love and your grace and your goodness. Let me turn right back around in the middle of a jail cell and start blessing somebody else. And then all of a sudden you start seeing mighty, mighty things happen in a jail cell because people are starting to remember that even though the situation's bad, God is good. That they may glorify God in the day of visitation just by seeing you do good works. What is good works? Well, number one, good works is because you believe, therefore you do. These are good works, but really good works is an offering. Lord, I could do nothing. I could do a number of different things, but because I believe, I want to take my faith and not only act upon it, but share it with others and share it with the kingdom of God. Bring an offering, not just money. Bring an offering. What are you giving back to God? It's a rhetorical question. Just think about it. What are you giving back to God? Now, I want to uh, thank Ray for you know interfering and jumping ahead, um, but there's only one spirit. So when he read this scripture, I think it was a week ago, and I'm just going, okay, all right. Because I don't, I don't tell people, this is what scripture you should use if you come up here and do prayer. This is what songs you should do if you come up here and whatever. I don't tell them any of that. I never have. I think maybe once I've ever requested a song, but I, I, as long as I've known Kevin, um, I've never, I don't recall asking him, okay, we're going to talk about these, the, these principles or whatever, and can you bring songs to match that? No, because I trust God. I say, you know what, Lord, if I get with you and submit to your spirit and listen, I expect people in other positions to get with you and listen for what it is that you have for them. And it's wonderful how all these things come together. And next thing you know, there is one thematic message because there's only one spirit. Giving thanks to God, giving praise because of Jimmy's situation and all the song, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And just, I'm hungry for you. I'm falling to my knees. I'm offering all of me. And I'm going, all right. Don't get up here and change nothing. <laughs> That's a witness. That is, I don't mean to get all super, you know, Pentecostal on everybody and then they start, you know, oh, here we go. But that's just, in some areas, that's what we used to call a witness. That you would hear something and then next thing you know, you're out walking around and then somebody says, you know, by the way, and they, whatever it is that they say, not knowing what you have been through, not knowing what God has shown you, and it lines up exactly with that. God works by two, if not three witnesses. That same principle in scripture is given because that's how God works. So when he tells you something, he confirms it or he, there is a witness to that. So when I see that, I'm just like, wow, God, you are awesome. Lord, you are awesome. Just hear what he's doing and you just go along with it. Because all of this is about giving back to God. Now, I think there's more scriptures. We just went on one. If, if this was just one scripture, we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> What's the next one? So this scripture, I thought I gave you all three for that one, but that's all right. This scripture is about the totality of man. For those of you that don't know, we are 
How many parts? Three. What are they? Well, they're pretty much in the scripture. So there is a body part of us, a soul part of us, and a spiritual part of us. When we look at this principle of giving an offering, let's not look at it from just one standpoint. Let's look at it from the completeness of what God created us to be. So first and foremost, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of us. And every part of us. So there is a part of you that is spiritual. There is a part of you that is your personality. And there is a part of you that is physical. Let's look at the physical first. Let's get the elephant out the room. Is money a part of an offering? Yes, yes it is. However, there is a line, um, there's a difference between tithes and offering. Tithes belong to God. That is a biblical principle before Moses even took 15 laws and then broke one or broke one tablet and said 10. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. It's not, that's not biblical. That's a movie. The seed was paying attention, but I don't want nobody going. Yeah, see, he's preaching a weird doctrine. Moses had three tablets. No, man, that's Monty, Monty Python, I think. But before Moses went up on the mountain and got the law, Abraham paid tithes. There is a principle about giving back to God that is a part of the harvest that is rightfully his. We call it a tithe. You can call it whatever. Biblically, it's called a tithe. And for those of y'all that think, well, okay, in this modern day and age, you know, I don't have to give monetary anything. Even in this church, what we do does require finances. We can't do this without finances. The church pays rent. We pay electricity. We buy food. We buy lots of food. We don't have anybody on staff, but we do purchase things. So there is a portion of, of bringing you all you tithes into the storehouse, that is important. And I urge you to consider that, prayerfully consider that, because it is us saying, Lord, we support your work. And I've told you guys often in here, really what you're supporting and what you do is the next generation. The generation that's going to stand on your shoulders because you are the tip of the spear. You are the ones that said, I'm going to be part of the foundation and building to the least of these church. And as you came along, each and every one contributed in their way. But look at now all the people that are coming behind you. You'd be surprised that even though we're in this small area, this ministry has a pretty big footprint. And there are people even, look, there's a, a principle that you don't choose the church you go to. The Holy Spirit puts you where you need to be. And he puts you there for a reason. Sometimes it's to learn, and sometimes it's to share, and sometimes it's both. So there are people that are here in this congregation that I'm going, Lord, you, you put them here. I don't know the reason. I don't need to. But praise God that he's starting to add to the church as he sees fit, and there's a reason for that. So this is not just, um, well, we come here on a Saturday, and we meet, and you know, it's, we eat. Everybody's 25 years old. We go home, and we do what we got to do. That's the, we may think that, but God has much bigger plans and purposes 
than just us thinking of this as a meeting place. I'm telling you, and I urge you to really think about it, the fact that when two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, there he is in the midst. So this isn't just people meeting in a room. This is a place where the very power of God can break out in healing, in restoration, in deliverance, in encouraging, all because we're not gathered in the name of a social function. We're gathered in the name of Jesus, and he is here with us. We may not see him physically. We may not you know, be aware of it, but we don't always have to be aware to know that he performs his word. And if he said, if two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, whether we see it or not, we don't walk by what we see. We walk by what he said. So we know of a surety he is here among us. That is major. That is huge. And so what we do in contributing to this ministry as far as ties is to help this ministry be positioned for whatever it is that God has for it to do. But offerings, on the other hand, is what you, of your abundance, and what God has given you, that you decide to turn around and say, Lord, I want to bless your kingdom, I want to bless you, and I want to bless your people. In whatever setting, whether it's here, whether you take an offering of your, your money and you bless somebody on the street, or whatever the case may be, you're taking of the abundance of your harvest and giving it for the purpose of God's kingdom. However, the abundance of your harvest needs to be valuable. How many of y'all played that, um, <laughs> what is that, the, the, the game, the Christmas game or something like that where everybody gets a gift and then you can go back and you can take one from somebody, and the white elephant, whatever that, whatever that is. I, I never understood that, huh? It's no fun. No, it's no fun. But when you get a gift for the white elephant party, are you really going out buying something super valuable? No, not unless you're up in that and then super valuable really isn't all that valuable. But for most of us at a at a corporate party, we're going to get like, you know, two dollar playing cards or, you know, a bag. of No, I ain't giving nobody a bag of gummy bears. Um, you're going to you're going to give somebody something that that doesn't really impact you. It doesn't really have value. Imagine if we looked throughout the flock of all our beautiful sheep and all of our beautiful cattle and all of our beautiful goats, and we said, you know what, God, I don't really need that pig. I don't mean to point at a person, so I don't really need that pig. <laughs> I don't really need that pig. So you know what? I'm going to take this pig as an offering. I don't need it anyways. Is that pig really valuable? Now, what do you think God would look at your harvest and your offering as far as what you're really trying to say behind it? Imagine if you had a really good friend and you bought them something that was, eh, you found some shoe hidden in a closet and you said, you know what, here's a birthday present idea. And you give them one shoe, that you, not even a matching pair of shoes. You give them one shoe, a left shoe at that, that, you know, you've worn, you've worn out, you don't need it anymore, you're going to bless somebody else with you. What, what do you think that person is going to say? Now, there have been gifts that I've gotten that may have been cheap and sometimes disgusting in nature, but it was what was behind it. 
tell you a story about my, my, one of my daughters, the smart one. Not they're all smart, but she's like real analytical. It's kind of annoying. But anyways, when they were really, really young, she had this idea that she wanted to be a cook or a chef or something like that. Keep in mind, they're like four, five years old. So they have no knowledge of the kitchen whatsoever, no knowledge of anything. They just are just experimenting. And so, so they would, you know, experiment and mix all this stuff together. I think it was ice cream, and they would mix it until it was black. And then they would offer it. And you would think this is hideous. And, and indeed, you know, it probably is hideous. I didn't get to eat it. I got the, the, the soda with the graham crackers that they were eating and then spit them back into the soda. But they offered that to me, and I took it. Because even though the gift was... Eh, what was the heart behind it? Because to them, they didn't understand backwash is disgusting. They didn't understand stuff that you're eating that ends up in the soda is not something that anybody else wants. All they understood is this is really good and I want to bless you with it. There's a principle in scripture where you bring a cow, a pigeon, a dove to the altar and what do they start doing? Ripping stuff off. Getting down to the important parts. Your gift is important, but let's get to the important parts of what's behind it. Just like when we often want to bless God, sometimes it's not always pretty because we're not perfect at it. So we may wrestle with ideas or what we give to God, we, we, we don't necessarily understand, but our heart, we want to bless God. It may not be as much as other people, but we want to bless God. And what does God say? I can see behind the, the monetary value and all these other things going on, but I see the heart behind it. Two people in scripture giving money in the temple. One of them was a rich man that, you know, man, here's some, some coins. Another one was a widow who gave two mites, two coins, two very small coins, but she wanted to offer it to God and it was all she had and Jesus pointed out that her offering was greater than the rich man's because the rich man gave and he didn't miss anything it didn't cost him anything to give it but the widow it cost her everything but it didn't matter what the cost was because her heart was so overwhelmed with gratitude towards God that she said I will bless you with whatever and I will trust you and as, as you have taken care of me I will continue to trust you that's an offering so when we talk about the physical nature of what we do, yes, monetary money is a part of giving an offering. But there's more to it than that. What do you sacrifice and what do you surrender that you could do in the body, but you say, you know what? I choose not to do this because I want to be, uh, I want to give this time. I want to give this to my father. Case in point, I learned a lesson about being a good steward. Not just of a house, not just of a car, but a good steward of probably the most important vehicle any of us as Christians will ever, ever have. And that is what? This body. This body. And so as, as, as God says, while you're here, you steward the temple of God, this body. Now you start thinking, I can eat all the gummy bears I want, but it's not good stewardship. So I choose to forego eating sugar. Now, don't think that I've given up sugar completely, 
Because if you give me sugar-free gummy bears, we're going to have problems. But I start looking at things and going, I could eat this, but I choose not to because this body belongs to God. You think, well, I'm not giving anything to God. In a sense, you are. The fact that you are taking time to take care of what he has given you is assigned to him a lot more than you just running the car, running your body into the ground because you can do whatever it is that you want to do. So that sacrifice of leaving things that you could do alone because you know in the long run it's not good for your body is something that God does recognize. Lord, I choose not to eat 90 cheesecakes in one week. And that was a huge sacrifice. <laughs> there are things like, for instance, if you're a football player, and we talked about this several weeks ago, if you're a football player, there are some things you don't eat. Yes, you're trying to put on weight, but you're trying to put on weight the right way. And so there, you're not going to go to Popeye's Chicken every day. You will put on weight and you will have a heart attack on the first snap. You don't do that. So you sacrifice some things because of what you are called to do. For a Christian, there are some things that are profitable for us or that, that are uh, acceptable to us, but not profitable because they interfere with what our mission and calling is. And so we sacrifice those things and say, Lord, I could, but I choose not to because I choose to live unto you. What about your actions? What about the things that you choose to do in the body? There's a thing called a peace offering. That peace offering is to say that there is a bridge between you and God. But that peace offering also covers the actions that you do between you and God in your relationship. Not the sin. The sin offering blood, that's a whole different thing. But when you talk about peace offering, that's Lord, there are things that I want to do. And, and, and here's an offering to show that, you know, I recognize that you're watching over me. They're called peace offerings, free will offerings and thanksgiving offerings. We don't really talk about those a lot because we're so sin focused. But the principle of that sacrifice, that recognition that God, I want to live for you, was very evident in the Old Testament, just as it is in the new. Paul writes often about there are things that I could do, but I don't do because to be uh, present is better for you. I could get angry and I choose not to. I choose to bless instead of curse. I could get upset, but I choose to show love. What are my actions and how am I offering what I could do versus what I choose to do that uh, uh, benefits and shows the good works and glorifies God? with this body, with my physical actions in the places that he put me. Your soul, your personality. You say, well, what could I offer from my personality? Well, number one, your personality. I've tried to be not say cooey. It doesn't work. I am a goofball. I am an eccentric individual. I am uh, uh, a very analytical. The way I see things is probably overboard. I'm a little too much into, you know, well, why is that brown? And this is, I just think that way. If I try to change that personality into something else that God did not create, not only am I trying to live a lie, but I'm not being a blessing to the people that I need to be around. So I offer me. 
who I actually am. And some people may think of it and say, who is a goofball? Yeah, at times, yeah, you're, you're right. And don't get me around Ramsey because then it's two goofballs. And then don't get me around Ramsey and Kevin or we're going to have problems. <laughs> Deb is always trying to get my brother and Kevin to, you know, you guys need to meet. And I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't take two of them. Not at the same time. No. But I'm, I'm a goofball. But you know what? Being, being my personality just like him being his personality, is a benefit to the people that are around us because we all bring things to the table when we offer who we really are. Not who I think you want me to be or not who he thinks, well, this is what they should see, but to be himself, genuinely, warts and all, is a blessing to each and every one of us. When... Um, my daughter was involved in a situation in California. It was not a very good situation, and I was incarcerated. There was nothing I could do. And when I get the phone call in, 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 while incarcerated that my daughter is picked up in, a, in, in probably one of the worst situations that you can ever um, have a child go through, I lost it. I usually I am, you know, I'm fairly composed. I lost it. I was I was I was angry. I was <laughs> I was venting and I, I made sure I walked around the track with good people. And I was like, you know what? This is this is what happened. And they're walking with me and they're supportive. Um, Kevin was one of them. Um, Aman was one of them. And Aman had the courage to let me vent. And turn around and said, well, you also better talk to God about that bitterness. <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you for your courage. But when we went to practice, Kevin said something that he was hoping I wouldn't get offended by. He says, you know, I'm glad you showed us or allowed this side of you to be seen. Because what most people saw was the, the preacher, the, the guy that stood for the kingdom of God and was friendly and these things. And that's all well and good. But they also got a doorway to the fact that I am very human. I can be hurt. I'm not perfect. And they were very thankful to see that. Because that showed them that I'm not all this distant individual who's over here and I've made it and everybody's trying to play catch up. Just like Paul says in Corinthians, I was with you in fear and in weakness and in much trembling so that you could see that this anointing is the power of God, not the eloquence of man, not my ability, not my talent. I do a job in the kingdom, but I am a person being restored and being renewed just like everybody else in this church. And guess what? When you take off the mask and allow people to say, you know what, God, I'm going to offer this person everything of me. Here I am. That person now realizes you and realizes the God you serve and realize that you have everything in common. They're not trying to play catch up. They're encouraged now by seeing the work that God has done in your life. And they know that God will continue the work on the inside of them until the day of Jesus Christ. Just by you taking off that mask, and being real and saying, Lord, I could just be quiet and reserved and calm and peaceful in church. 
but I'm going to let my personality be and I'm not going to hold my mule. And other people go, you know, uh, praise God for that. Yeah, I, what, what would I used to always tell you guys? Still do sometimes. Real quiet in here. <laughs> and, and somebody said, you're kind of rebuking the congregation. I'm like, I'm not rebuking the congregation. But there is a, you know, how is it that you can be more free with your personality at a football game than you can be in a church? So now we have people that have come along and they worship freely. Now, now you know, they're not all super Pentecostal running along the walls. At least not yet. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, we're well behaved. But the thing about it is to worship God and people see that and they go, you know what? They are, they are offering themselves to God, but they are allowing themselves to be part of the fellowship. And people realize, I can really let my heart sing out to God. I can really be expressive unto my Lord. I don't have to be all reserved and stuffy. Now, if, if God, if the spirit tells you to be reserved and stuffy, then be reserved and stuffy. But if you are excited and you are like, Lord, I'm just happy to be in your house, you should be able to offer God your thanksgiving in the house of God. Your education is part of your personality. It would amaze you how much talent and how much education is in this building, even with people who have not obtained a degree. Going to a university and getting a, a degree just means you know how to follow direction. <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. You know how to follow direction. You take the test. You come up with the right answers. Yada, yada, yada. But when you really learn the job is when you get out of the school and you get real world education. All the theory, yeah, it works great in a perfect setting. But you're going to get there and this part goes wrong. This thing is missing. You cannot get this part. Your boss is doing this. This situation comes up. There's frogs coming out of the toilet, all sorts of things. And so you have to figure out, all right, how do I adapt what I know to this? That's when the real education begins. So there are some people in here that have learned how to adapt without ever going to a trade school, without ever going to a college, without ever getting a Ph.D., but they could figure out how to, if we said today, we need to add a second floor to this building, I guarantee you there's people in here that know how to get it done. This building used to be a bar. When we first walked into this, I wish we had pictures. When we first walked into this building, Deb was excited because she could see the end result. Art was kind of excited, but he knew he had to work. Uh, Steve was kind of like, okay, we can do this. And I remember walking in going... What have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> but from what you see today versus that first day when we walked in here, you would never know that all of this was done in-house. There is so much education that is in here that you could turn around and say, Lord, I want to offer what I know to help make your kingdom that much better. I want to offer what I know to bless you and to bless the people that you have me around. I want to offer what you have shown me in life, what you have educated, what you have given me the talent to do. There are musicians up here that, that sometimes I wish I could just sit back and watch. I do my little part and I look at these, especially two of them, they could hot swap instruments in a second. And I'm just going, wow, 
These guys are really good. And, and they don't look at it as, you know, I got to compete with so-and-so. They look at it as how do we come up underneath and support the congregation in worship? That's offering their talent. We just had um, sausages or whatever, hot links. What were they? Bratwurst. Bratwurst. Same difference. And the guy came in and said he was the grill master. And that's taking the experience that he has and he wanted to bless the congregation with. These are offerings. It's not always just about money. It's about what you give of what God has given you to give back to the kingdom of God. What is your testimony? What is your testimony? Do you share your salvation and your experience even with people in the church? Oh, well, I'm saved. You just need to know that I'm saved. Because I really don't want you knowing just how messed up things were that I came out of. When you see how messed up things were that you came out of and the great God that took you out of them, the focus isn't on how messed up you were. The focus is on how great and good the power of God is, that he delivered you from that, that he loves you, that he has you covered, and that he has you on this road now. The testimony isn't just about your past. It's about how you were delivered by the mighty one who now holds you in your presence. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of Jesus Christ under salvation. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. Yeah, there's going to be some parts in there that people go. <laughs> and you have to have some wisdom in how to you know, talk to people and who you can talk to. But. It's not about the negative past. It's about the great God who delivered you out of that and holds you even in this moment. What about spiritual? We were created to be shown off by God. I have chosen you. You are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. All of these different things. He didn't say, I I'm going to take all these people the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, and I'm going to put them aside. I'm going to hide them out here until I come back for them. No, he turns right back around and says, this is a royal priesthood. This is a chosen generation. These people are kings and queens and priests of the kingdom of God. And we turn around and try to hide it because we don't, we, we, we keep thinking that people are looking at the negative instead of what God has set up as the positive. He shows us off. You see this person? Look at what I have called. You see this person? Look at what I have set them up for. Look at Adam. Adam was dirt. Outside of the Garden of Eden. And he set him in the Garden of Eden. Breathed in him and said. You represent me on earth. Dirt ball. We've had some bad backgrounds and some negative behavior in our life, but none of us have physically been brought up out of actual dirt. <laughs> We've got some dirt in our lives, but that's what he does. He takes you from your background, sets you up with his anointing on you and says, this is my child. So we give in the spirit our gifts, not something we unwrap, but gifts there is a thing called gifts of the Spirit, the things that the Spirit enables us to do, empowers us or bestows upon us in order to do. Gifts, callings, offices, 
Imagine if me being who I am and who God created me to be says, you know what? I will never uh, stand in front of people and, and, and preach. I'm just going to sit down and be quiet. And I've tried that. I've tried that just as many of you have, because I sat down and said, you know what? I have forfeited. I have done this. I have done that. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And God says, no, you're not. You're going to get your head together. You're going to get your act together. And then you're going to turn right back around and be who I called you to be because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And if I kept David on the throne through all the drama that he had been in, if I kept Saul on the throne for all the drama that he had been in, what makes you think you have an excuse? Aaron didn't have an excuse. Moses didn't have an excuse. Peter didn't have an excuse. Paul didn't have an excuse. What makes you think that you have an excuse? Come home, clean up your act, stand up, and be the man or woman that you are called to be. So uncomfortable now. <laughs> because what God has blessed you with, especially spiritual gifts, is not for you. It is for this body. You are a gift to the church. Now, the word charismatica, which we use for gifts, um, comes from the word charis, which also comes, uh, we get the word grace from that. Charis. There's two sides of that coin, and it goes back to the cycle that we talked about with Adam. Part one is God showing grace to you. Part two is you showing gratitude to God. So when you serve God out of your gifting and serve God out of your calling, you're not doing it out of, like Paul says, if I do this out of obligation, it's whatever, but I do it because it's what God calls me to do, and he was grateful to do it. You're showing gratitude to God by standing and being what it is that he called you to be. Thank you, Lord, for your deliverance. How can I show you my gratitude? I can stand up and proclaim your goodness and your deliverance and your power and your grace and your love to the people that you put me around, whether it's through my mouth or whether it's through my actions. But how can I show off how good you are? What about your worship? It's one thing to offer unto God your worship when everything is good, when everything is great, when everything is fine, when the car is working, there's no nail in the tire. <laughs> Again, when you got food in the cupboard, when everything's good, the job's secure, you know, the, the brothers and sisters aren't fighting, all these things. It's wonderful to come into church and go, Lord, you are awesome. And that's great. I'm not saying don't do that. But it's a whole nother thing to give God worship and to give God praise, a sacrifice of praise. When you are not feeling well, when you are not the happiest camper, when you are facing the mountain, the valley of the shadow of death, the obstacle, and you say, you know what, Lord? Even though I'm in this situation, I'm going to praise you anyhow. Even though I'm going through this trial, I'm going to worship you anyhow. Because that is what you are due. I could sit here and pout. I could sit here and be angry. But instead, I choose to say, Lord, you are wonderful. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are awesome. And continue to bless your name and proclaim how good you are, even when the situation I'm in is not good. 
you're now offering praise and it's valuable to God because he's looking at you knowing in your mind you're going, this is messed up, but in your spirit you're going, God still has me covered and I'm going to praise him anyhow. What are you offering God? What are you giving to God out of the abundance that he has given you? I don't want to ask the question, but I'm going to have to ask the question as a rhetorical question, not to go and plow anybody's corn. But have we been stingy with the blessings that God has given us? Have we been living in fear with the blessings that God has given us? You say, well, how do I live in fear with the blessing that God has given us? Well, I'm not going to bring all the corn in the field and give, you know, 10% or give an offering because I might be hungry in a couple months. So I'm not going to give God what he's due. I should shut up, huh? <laughs> Let me go over here and hide. I can't go over here and hide either. Do you know where that comes from? Number one, it comes from ingratitude that we don't recognize the goodness of God. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that we need our eyes open to see what God has done. Sometimes we can get so busy and so caught up that we forget. And God says, forget not all his benefits. And sometimes we can just get hard hearted and distrustful and forget that God is always looking out for us and say, now I have to start self-protecting and look out for myself. I need to protect my finances. I need to protect my mind, my calling, my talent. I need to protect it so that I can hold it all unto myself instead of saying, you know what, Lord? Freely you have blessed me and freely I will give. There are three lakes in Jerusalem. The ultimate lake at the northern tip, you don't really hear a lot about. That lake takes all of the runoff from the mountains in the northern region. It is the headwaters that eventually go down to the, the, the Gennesaret Lake and into the Dead Sea. You don't really hear a lot about that one. But what you notice is that it receives pristine, pure, clean waters off the mountaintops and off the snow runoff. And then it takes some and it funnels it on down to the next room, the next lake, which is the one that we know of, the Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee, which is a major fishing hub, a major transportation hub, a major source of water. And so that lake receives and blesses the region around it. And it keeps receiving and it keeps blessing and it's not depleted. But then there's a third lake in Israel and that lake is called what and it's at the bottom of the chain and it just receives and receives and receives it doesn't give out it just hoards everything to itself all the water and then all of the weight all of the dirt all of the detritus all of the sand all of the salt to the point that nothing can survive in that lake And nobody can go to that lake for refreshment because the waters are just too stagnant. If you even so much as try to swim in the Dead Sea, you will find that you will go 
right to the top because that water is so dense. It's a good picture of us. We can be someone who receives from the spirit and then blesses in so many different ways and facets of our life. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But imagine if you turn around and become the Dead Sea where you say all of the rivers of living water I'm going to just keep within me until they become dead waters. And everybody that comes to try to drink from you is only going to taste saltiness and bitterness and they will find you to be not refreshing whatsoever. And then you wonder why won't anybody fellowship with me? Are you sharing from what God has given you? Are you holding on to the good and giving everybody else all of the bad? You say, well, what does that look like? I think you know. I think you know. I'm I'm not trying to meddle, but I have to say this before we go on to our last scripture. If I come around you and all we got to talk about is misery, woe, affliction, pain, suffering, these people, the man, all of these issues, how many people do you think are really going to want to talk to you? Because you're not giving them hope. You're not giving them life, and you're definitely not giving them what God gave you. You're giving them flesh. You're giving them anger and bitterness, and people eventually have enough of that going on in life that they realize that, and they will start distancing themselves from it. But if you share what God has blessed you with, the hope, the joy, the enthusiasm, the life, you will find that even people who don't know why they want to talk to you all of a sudden like being in your presence. And it has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with the river that is flowing through you and out to them, which provides life. Because you said, Lord, I make a decision to offer you my everything and live for you instead of live for myself or for the world. Psalm 40. We'll bring this up and then we'll go home. And I thought this was going to be short. (laughs) Who did the prayer today? I'm going to say they took a lot of time. (laughs) Psalm 40. I love it. Somebody asked me, like, what is my favorite scriptures? Obviously, you guys know one of my favorite scriptures is to whom um, has been forgiven much. uh, The same loves much because I understand that. I understand what it is to be forgiven. And God says, you know what? I see where you're at, but I still choose to love you. And I go, you know what, Lord? How can I be mad at people if I know what you have loved me through? But this is another one. Psalm 40. This is uh, a Psalm of David. And this isn't about being in a good position. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Now, the only thing I want you to keep in mind that he did was wait for the Lord and cried out to him. Now, watch what God does. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Where was this psalmist at? In a pit. It doesn't say whether he was pushed in or whether he fell in. It doesn't matter how he got in there. All that matters is that he's in there. 
And because he is in the pit, he does two things. He cries out to God and he waits. And he sees the salvation and the goodness of God because God did not leave him in the pit, but eventually not only took him out, but established him on a firm foundation. Because of it, he got a song out of it and decides to sing and proclaim the song that was given him. And because he's proclaiming the song, people see the deliverance and the power of God and fear, whether it's out of reverence or out of respect, but they understand the God that he serves. Imagine if he kept that song to himself. Imagine if he just said, you know what, Lord, you got me out the pit. I'm going to go on about my business. He says, no, you put something in my heart. You put a song in my mouth and I'm going to sing it. It doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what I look like. It no, I, it, what matters is where I came from. What matters is your hand of deliverance. What matters is how great you are and how much you love me. How can I not sing the song that you put in my mouth? I can't keep this to myself. It is like fire shut up in my bones. Somebody's going to hear this song. Somebody's going to know how good my God is. Somebody's going to know his great blessing and, and bountifulness to my life. Somebody is going to know the God that I serve. You say, well, I'm not a singer. Join the club. But how can you not show off the goodness of God in your life, not just to God, but to the people that are around you? How can you not bring an offering to God and share that offering with the very same people that God has placed you around? How can you not be a blessing from the blessing that you have received? You say, well, I'm not as blessed as other people. It doesn't matter how blessed you are. Sometimes the smallest gifts have the most important because of the heart that is behind it. You say, I don't sing like Kevin. Believe me, I don't sing like Kevin either. Can't sing that high. But you know what? He sings his part, and I sing because I want to bless God with what he's pulled me through and what he's delivered me for. It ain't always pretty. Believe me, we are not the most rhythmically balanced, harmonically um, sound church that there is. Do you think God cares about that? He said, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. God delivered you? Show it all. God saved you? Show it all. God has blessed you? Show it all. Lord, I'm going to bring back some of what you have given to me and I'm going to share it with the world of just how good you are. How else do you think the people around you will know God is good if you never open your mouth to sing the song about it? What are you offering? What are you bringing? What are you giving back to God out of all the abundance he has given to you? Let's pray. Father, in the most wonderful name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that no matter what our background is and what's transpired in our lives, you show great love to us. While we were sinners, you sent your son 
the greatest offering you could give to die in our place, to take on the punishment for sin so that we can receive the blessing and the benefit of life. Father, help our hearts to be broken of ingratitude, to be broken of selfishness, to be broken of pride, that we can take of the harvest that you have given us in so many areas of our life, whether it's monetary, whether it's educational, whether it's historical, no matter what it is, but we can take from what you have given us and turn right back around and bring it right back to your house and share it and give it to you and share it with the people that are around us. Lord, help us to be the very fountains you have called us to be. That as you bless, we give. And as we give, you bless. And as we pour out, you pour in. And we continue to pour out and you continue to pour in. Lord, help us to be that conduit, that vessel, that fountain that you have called us to be. Help our hearts, Lord, to recognize you as the provider and what you have provided. And then to turn right back around with gratitude and share that with you, share that with your creation. Lord, you are awesome and you are wonderful. In everything that you do, let the church say, Tonight as we do communion, before we dismiss, I want you to keep in mind that we're not the only ones that sacrifice. God sent his son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. Ultimately, he came to die for each and every one of us. God sent a sacrifice that was not cheap, that was not meaningless, but it was completely dear to him for a creation that did not deserve it, that did not earn it, but because he chose to love us, he gave out, because he chose to. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, be imitators of God as dear children. Jesus taught us the roadmap. I can only do as I see my father do. Do we say the same thing? I can only do as I see my father do. And if he loves greatly and he sacrifices greatly in order to show his love and to bless, then I'm going to do the same. I'm going to give what is dear so that you see what love actually is. These things have been demonstrated in this congregation amongst us time and time again. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't even be here if somebody didn't take that step and say, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my future. I will follow your direction. And as they follow the direction, look at the blessings, not just the founders of this ministry, not just the people who stood at the forefront of this ministry, but so many stories around us. Someone had a vehicle, blessed their son with a vehicle and got a different one, much bigger one. Because of people's diligence, all of a sudden the people that are around them are starting to realize, you know what? Life is valuable. Relationships are restored. Lives are healed because of it. We know what giving is. 
Sometimes we need a reminder to turn back and look and say, you know what, Lord? I know what love is. Help me to offer and share what you have given me with the world. Paul writes in Corinthians concerning the Lord's Supper. It says, For I have received from the Lord that which also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Father, we thank you for this, the body of your son, Jesus Christ, broken because of love, broken because he saw value in us and gave himself for us. And because of that, Lord, we celebrate this body. We pray that as we partake of it, that we are unified, that we are made whole, that we take that same love that was shared to us and turn right back around and share it to others. In Jesus' name, amen. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So now in the ultimate act of sharing, I'm going to ask somebody who has nails to share because I had to cut mine in order to play the guitar and it's not easy to open this up. Thank you. Just something in that simple of an act. Here, take mine. You think that that's a small thing but that's major to God. Father, we thank you for the blood that was shed for our redemption, for our salvation. So much was opened unto us because your son took our sins upon the cross. So Lord, as we consume this, we pray, Lord, that it inflames our heart with gratitude to live for you, to understand that you died for us so that we could live for you and ultimately be what you have called us to be. Thank you for this great gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Bible says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As often as you get up and rise from this table, each day we proclaim his life. Let's all stand. I hope that you don't go home with a sorrowful heart. Go home with a heart that says, you know what? I recognize things that I need to change. Well, praise God that you do, but don't go away sorrowful. Go away with joy. Number one, it's never too late to share your bountiful harvest with the creation as God set you forth before. But also to keep in mind that God shares you with the world. He turns around and says, you know what? I put you in this job to share you with people who don't even know that they're in need of light. And I place you there because of that. 
I placed you in this setting because of that. I placed you in this family so that you could be a light that shines. God shares you with creation and has blessed you in mighty ways to do the job that he has called you to do. And all we're doing is carrying it forward. Praise God for the opportunity. Praise God for his goodness. And praise God for his wonderful, wonderful call on each and every one of our lives. Would you lift your hands for the benediction? <clears throat> now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, let the church say, Amen, Amen and God bless you.